Therefore, if we change the Father's name, we are changing the revelation of God and we are creating idols of our own imagination. And it is not the true God that is being worshipped when you say, Mother God. Now in the secular world, we expect this because we know their father for the unsaved is not our father. But to have Christians do this, for me, is quite disturbing. For me, it's heresy. It's an abomination. The Father is very, very generous. He provides out of His benevolence even to the pagans who are not His sons or daughters. It is all because Jesus Christ that we have God the Father as our Father. Apart from Jesus, we are children of wrath, sons and daughters of disobedience, children of darkness, sons and daughters of Satan. Good morning. I know you weren't expecting me to be here this morning right here in this pulpit. Neither was I. But the Lord and his sovereign grace has set this appointed time. So Guga is, as you don't, may not know or do know, he has a sore throat, cannot speak. So I got some notes from him about noon yesterday because he said he wanted this short, and that's how he does it. He sends them a little bit later, so it will be shorter because I don't have only nine hours to prepare, so, which is really short, short for me, so. It's always the heavy heart when I come up here because I understand the responsibility of preaching God's word. And it is his word. And I thank you for those who have prayed and of those who continue to pray as I'm up here. And I want to pray now that the Holy Spirit will empower me, that the words I speak will be his words, that they will go out and anything I say with this fallible mouth will be long forgotten and never heard again. And the Lord be glorified in this preaching today. And may he be magnified. Amen. So with Father's Day, we want to explore a little bit of our Father, our true Father, God the Father. And we're going to explore, of course, the first person of the Trinity. The name Father expresses and demonstrates many aspects of God. His character, who he is, everything about him, we can learn about God the Father. But today we're only going to look at three important aspects of God's character and what that means to us as earthly fathers, those who are physical fathers as well as those who are spiritual fathers. So if we are called to be spiritual fathers, all of us, some of us are physical fathers. And we are going to jump through, skip through, Matthews 5 and 6, the Beatitudes. So if you open your Bible, you can stand for the reading of the Word of God. We are going to focus on Matthew 5, 48, and then we will, and we will jump around. 
Matthew 5:48. The challenge to all of us. Impossible challenge as to all of us. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You may be seated. And he expects me to only spend 30 minutes on this. Okay. So I'll tell you a little story here. Something that's happened has happened 20-something years ago, which to me was quite, it's quite startling because it's only probably gotten worse, and I know it has. At a 2001 meeting, a worship service of the Baptist Women's Ministry, which is an auxiliary group associated with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, the participants were encouraged to sing hymns and songs to Mother God. Not only this, not only this, but it gets better. At the end of the service, the worshipers were asked to participate in a response reading that expressed the inability to refer to God as Father. If this was isolated, it would be bad enough. It's not. The 2000 hymnal of Methodists also has songs to Mother God tying to Mother Earth. Now, in the secular world, we expect this because we know their father for the unsaved is not our father. But to have Christians do this, for me, is quite disturbing. For me, it's heresy. It's an abomination. So why is this so very, very wrong? Because the essential and basic answer is that the first person of the Trinity is called Father. Why? Because he named himself Father in order to reveal to us something very crucial about his character. We call the first person of the Trinity Father, again, because that's how he taught us to call him. And any derivation from that is full-blown sin and blasphemy. Absolutely. As the Reverend Jonathan Lovelady once said, what God wants to be called, what does God want to be called? The Bible, revelation of God, is clear. That God must be called by the names that he chooses to reveal to us. And the first person of the Trinity revealed himself as Father. Jesus taught his disciples to call God Father. Therefore, if we change the Father's name, we are changing the revelation of God, and we are creating idols of our own imagination. And it is not the true God that is being worshipped when you say Mother God. Again, I understand the secular. I cannot understand how Satan has weaseled in, wormed his way into Christian churches, the dominations that we all know, and we watch it fall, and we watch it fall. In fact, there is a woman Episcopal minister who calls herself, calls herself a bisexual Christian witch, and she preaches from the pulpit. 
this is where this all goes. Yes, I know the person. Scripture is crystal clear that God is our Father. Not only is he our creator, but he's also our redeemer. This is what distinguishes the Christian relationship to God and what allows us to relate to him as Father. The name of Father is not one we have chosen for God. It is what he has chosen to call himself. I cannot reiterate that enough. A great need, then, is to understand what God's fatherhood actually is. And we may begin to do so by looking at his relationship with the incarnate Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we consider the richness of Jesus' relationship with the Father, we can understand what it means for us to be adopted into God's family. God is a Father and is also the Son, whom the Father sent to carry out his plan of redemption. What distinguishes the Son from the Father is not quality of his being, which is just as divine as the Father's. But the function of their relationship, according to which the Son had to come into the world to do the Father's will, we relate to God as Father. Therefore, through Jesus Christ, the Son, sharing in his sonship through the adoption, we receive through Christ's redeeming work for us. So let's look at this relationship of Christ and our adoption. And why, as we study in the men's groups of Trinitarian, why it's, we should spend months on it. Because apart from the Trinitarian nature of our God, there is no adoption. It is all because Jesus Christ that we have God the Father as our Father. Apart from Jesus, we are children of wrath, sons and daughters of disobedience, children of darkness, Sons and daughters of Satan, refer to Ephesians 2. But in Christ, the indwelling of God the Spirit, we have God as our Abba, Father. So let's turn to Scripture and look at this. Please turn to Romans 8, 14 through 17. Verse 14, for as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, also heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may be also glorified with him. By nature, we are not children of God. That's obvious. Just look around us. As his creatures, we have nothing to do in common with his divine being. But by the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit, we have been integrated into the life of the Trinity. 
is because of the presence of the Spirit in us that we are able to approach the Father and have a relationship with him. So let's turn also now to Galatians 4, and we'll read 4 through 7. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he may redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Adoption. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, then an heir through God. Hallelujah. While the names of God are important in many ways, let's look at Abba Father a minute. Because this one is probably one of the more significant names of God in our understanding on how he relates to his people. The word Abba, as most know, is Aramaic, and it means father. But it was a common term that expressed affection and confidence and trust. Abba signified the close, intimate relationship of a father and his child, as well as a childlike trust that a young child puts in his father. So together, the terms Abba and Father doubly emphasize the fatherhood of God. In two different languages, we are assured of God's care for his children. As Michael Morales wrote, and who shall ascend to the mountain of the Lord, the Son, now incarnate and glorified, is in union with the Father through the Spirit. His humanity has entered into perfection, dwelling with the Father in the Father's house. As the Spirit unites us to the Son, the Son reveals to us more and more of the inner life of the Father. The Spirit brings us into the Son, and the Son veils to us the Father. Because of the mutual indwelling of Father and Son, because, as Jesus says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, John 14, 11. When the Spirit brings us the Son, the Son brings us the Father. Humanity brought into fellowship and communion into the internal and unbroken love of the blessed Holy Trinity here, finally, is the reality of the temple. The sun meditating, the beatific vision, revealing the Father to us, not merely after a carnal manner, but rather by drawing us into the life of the Father through spiritual union with himself. To understand this is life-changing, what it means to be able to call the one true God our Father, and what it means to be joint heirs with Christ. Because of our relationship with our Abba Father, he no longer deals with us as enemies. 
Instead, we can approach him with boldness, Hebrews 10. And in full assurance of faith, Hebrews 10. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We go back to Romans 8 again. Being adopted children of God calls us to a higher standard. We are God's children now, not the devil's. It's a different way of life. And the future, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, as Peter recorded in 1.4. So this morning, we're going to take a quick walk to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6, where Jesus, our greater Moses, from the top of the mountain, brings the revelation of who God the Father is and what those charges are to us. So what we're going to see, the name Father expresses and demonstrates three important aspects of God's character. One is purity, holiness and perfection in all that he does. Two, provision, physical and spiritual provision for his children. Three, protection, physical and spiritual protection. Number one, the purity of God, the Father. The whole section of Matthew 5, 17 through 18 will cover this. We're going to again focus on 548, but to get context, if you read 17 through 48, this is a presentation of a law of the new covenant as both in continuity and in contrast to the Old Testament law. It is in the promotion of this standard of perfection, going far beyond the little requirements of the Old Testament, that Jesus fulfills it. We can break this down into three sections. 17, 17 through 20 will be fulfilling the law, the general principles. If we look at 21 through 47, it is fulfilling the law by six examples on how it's done. And then when you look at 48, fulfilling the law is a summary that will be reinforced further in Matthew 7, 12, that we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The warden of this summary recalls the repeated formula in Leviticus 19. You are to be holy. For I, the Lord, your God, am holy. He says it in Leviticus 9, 2, 11, 44, and 45, and 20, verse 26. God's people were to reflect his character. And guess what? The same is true now for those who are subjects to the kingdom of heaven. We are called this also. He reiterated, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is to be perfect. You are to be holy as I am holy. Just as in the Old Testament, it was the distinctive mark of Israel that they were to be set apart for God to reflect his character. Back to Leviticus again. 
So the Messianic community carries on this distinctive. You can look in 1 Peter 1.16. As the true center of the people of God. This must not encourage us, though, to conclude that Jesus teaches an unqualified perfection is already possible for his disciples. He clears that up pretty quick. He teaches them to acknowledge their spiritual bankruptcy in in verse 3. And we pray, forgive us our sins in Matthew 6, 12. But the perfection of the Father, the true eschatological goal of the law, is what disciples of Jesus pursue. Already, not yet. One day we're there, but that's our pursuit. Though we fall. This is a call for all Christians to purity and holiness, especially the men's and men and fathers. As I said, all men have a role, whether you're spiritual or both physical and spiritual fathers. Since a father is perfect in all his ways, so even when he disciplines us, even when he goes puts trials upon us, to accomplish in his perfect holiness and love, we must trust him. So my question to you, or questions, to consider, how have you been cultivating purity and holiness? Working that move, working that discipline move further. How have you been investing your time to become more like the Heavenly Father? Knowing that one day he will dwell among us. We will see Christ face to face. How are we to pursue that? Go fallen. He picks us up. He keeps sanctifying us closer and closer to glory. Number two, the Father's provision. The Father's provision is both, of course, physical and spiritual. In Matthew 5, 44 and 45, But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That is so not of this world. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to shine and rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Father is very, very generous. He provides out of his benevolence even to the pagans who are not his sons or daughters. Daniel Doriani writes, The Father indiscriminately shines his sun and pours his rain on humanity, good or evil. The phrase, so that you may be sons of your Father, does not imply that love earns sonship. Rather, when anyone loves as the Father does, it demonstrates sonship. Sons will resemble their father. We are commanded to father to follow in God the Father's steps. It's impossible without seeing. That is what we are to do. Fathers, have you been resembling the Father's love, benevolence, and generosity? Have you been generous in affection, generous in giving financially, generous in you fill in the blank. In Matthew 6, 8, 
For your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Verse 11, he says, ask, give us this daily bread. We see the Father whose heart is to provide for his children. Matthew 7, 11. This is always hits hard on the dads. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you what is good to those who ask him? Just like he provided for his son Israel in the wilderness, how much more will God not provide for us in Christ Jesus? Much, much more important than the physical provision is the spiritual provision. We have in God the Father, in the Lord's Prayer, the majority of the requests relate to spiritual things. We have a Father who delights himself in providing for our spiritual needs. The greatest provision for sure is his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because remember, relationships require sacrifice. Whether it's a friendship, marriage, a relationship with the living God, there are sacrifices. God the Father, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8, 32. All things necessary to arrive at glorification. This is the goal, spiritual goal. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In his great love, the Father provides all the mercies and comfort that we need. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Men and fathers, the Salem Reformed Baptist Church, have you been providing for your family and others the spiritual and physical nourishment that you are called to provide? How have you been providing spiritually for your wives and children? Again, all men are called to be spiritual fathers. Number three, the father's protection. Matthew 6, 9, and 13. Our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He protects us physically. He will not keep, he will keep us protected until a time has appointed for us to go. Psalm 139.16 And in your book, all of them are written, 
the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So you are protected until your time. But he also protects us spiritually. He guards us. Hence he's asking us, lead us, not in temptation, deliver us from that evil one. Men and fathers of Salem Reformed Baptist, imitate the Heavenly Father. Please, you have a duty to follow after his steps and imitating his communicable attributes. Be a protector. Protect your wife physically, emotionally, spiritually. Protect your children from the evils of society, e.g. social media. Provide spiritual nourishment. For as we know, the days are evil and will only continue. Provide an example of godly manhood. I want to close by looking at the first letter of John. Let's meditate on some of these verses. Please first turn to 1 John 3, 1 through 3, and let's read some of the charges God has given us directly. 1 John 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has given to us, that we would be called children of God, and we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been manifested as yet, what we will be. We know that when he is manifested, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Sound familiar? Now let's look at 1 John 4, 9 through 11. Second charge. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that he has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you to you through the accomplished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing yourself in your holy scripture of how you want to be addressed and the names you want to be addressed by. Lord, thank you for a love that's unfathomable, that you would send your Son to walk this earth and die for this miserable lot. 
Because you, you want a people to dwell. You want to dwell among a people. You have chosen a people. You are pursuing a people. And though we are adopted and we are sons, we are not yet, but will be. The day comes when we will see you face to face and our prayers will be praised. And our faith will be sight. And we long for that day. But until that day, Father, may the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, may we be filled with the Spirit. May we walk in the Spirit. May we walk in step with the Spirit. May we bear the fruits of the Spirit. May we truly be the holy priesthood you have caused caused us to be on this earth. Lord, may we give everything to you, to sacrifice the relationship to you also. May we be living sacrifices to you, our Lord and our King. And may we lift our voices to you in praise. May we live and dwell in your word. And may we love one another with a love the world will never understand. In Jesus' name, amen.